Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church sermon podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. But you are here today, and I know that the Lord has a special message for you if you're here this morning. I invite you to find your Bibles and open them to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. As you're turning there, have you ever pondered what that first Christmas would have been like if, if they had sent wise women, if they had come from the east instead of wise men? Maybe they would have stopped and they would have asked for directions. So maybe they would have gotten there on time before the baby was actually born. Maybe they could have had an impact. Maybe they could have helped with the delivery or cleaned up the stable. Maybe they could have made a decent meal for them while they were there or brought some practical gifts as you women like to give all the time. Perhaps it would have been a lot different But that wasn't the way it happened. In fact, as our title for today says, even that very first Christmas was a less than ideal Christmas. We're going to fast forward through the traditional Christmas story this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the royal family as they're getting ready to depart from Bethlehem as they begin this next phase of their family life. This is all part of the overall Christmas story. Please stand in honor of reading God's word. We're in Matthew chapter 2. I'll be reading verses 13 through 23. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because there are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who thought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. He went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. We just look at the last part of this Christmas story and we just are so amazed at the things that you do in the lives of your people. We know that first Christmas wasn't a perfect Christmas. There were so many things that, that went wrong, that weren't perfect, weren't ideal. But Lord, we know that as we're going to see, you provided the opportunities. You provided many ways for them to overcome the challenges of the situations. Lord, we pray that upon our lives as well. As we hit the challenges in our life, we lift our hearts and our lives up to you and know that you will provide a way for us to get through all the things that we're going through in our life. Lord, speak to us today. Speak to us through your word. It's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Let me begin by asking you, have you ever heard that fictional Christmas correspondence that was sent back and forth between Martha Stewart and Irma 
Baumbeck. If you haven't, it's kind of a great reminder for us that Christmas isn't always perfect. Sometimes it's just not that way. It turns out to be a less than ideal Christmas. A Christmas that we have to endure rather than get to enjoy. And here's how it goes. Martha, she starts out. This is her letter to Irma. She says, hi, Irma. This perfectly delightful note is being sent on paper I made by myself to tell you what I've been up to. Since it snowed last night, I got up early and made a sled with the old barn wood and a glue gun. I hand-painted it in gold leaf, got out my loom, and made blankets and peaches and moths. Now it's time to start making the placemats and napkins for my 20 breakfast guests. I'm serving the old standard Martha Stewart 20-course breakfast, but I didn't have time to make the tables and chairs this morning, so I'm going to use the ones I already had. I did take time to make the dishes to use for breakfast from Hungarian clay, which you can get at almost any Hungarian craft store. Well, I must run. I need to finish the buttonholes on my dress I'm wearing for breakfast. I'll get out the sled and drive this note to the post office as soon as the glue dries on the envelope I'll be making love Martha Stewart. Now here's the satirical response from Irma Bombeck. She says, Dear Martha, I'm writing this letter on the back of an old shopping list. Pay no attention to the coffee stains and the jelly stains. I'm 20 minutes late getting my daughter up for school. Packing a lunch with one hand on the phone with a dog pound. Seems old rough needs bailing out again. Burnt my arm on the curling iron when I was trying to make those curly fries. Still, I can't find the scissors to cut out some snowflakes. Tried using an old disposable razor. Trashed the tablecloth. Tried that cranberry thing, frozen cranberries mushed after I defrosted them in the microwave. Oh, and don't use fruity pebbles as a substitute for Rice Krispie snowball recipes unless you happen to like a disgusting shade of green. The smoke alarm is going off. Talk to you later. Love, Irma. Now, I don't know of anybody who gets to enjoy that Martha Stewart kind of ideal Christmas, do you? Think about it. The kids get sick. Mom or dad, you lose your job. Your household gets robbed. Accidents happen. Weather comes that is undesirable. Someone gets you the wrong gift. Come on, right? Your favorite gift is broke already. And on top of all of that, some people, they even die on or right before Christmas. No matter how much we'd like it to, trouble doesn't take a holiday during the Christmas season. And that shouldn't surprise us. I mean, even that very first Christmas, when we read those stories about that very first Christmas, It wasn't an ideal Christmas. It wasn't perfect. In the midst of all of the miracles that were going on, all of the joy that they had, there was a lot of hassles. There was a lot of hurts in this story. This morning, we're going to unpack them. We're going to unpack the hassles, the hurting, and the hope of Christmas. That's all part of what is sometimes a less than ideal Christmas. And if any of those terms, if they describe the situation that you might happen to be in this morning, it's no surprise why God has you here with us on this special day. My prayer, it is that God, that he will use his comforting words to you in your situation to help you understand how to overcome those. A word for you that will help you have more hope during the holidays. Let's jump into our teaching for this morning under number one. The first thing we see is that Christmas can be full of hassles. Let's look again at verses 13 through 15. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for him, for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, remain there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When you think about Christmas, what's Christmas time to you? What do you think about? Norman Vincent Van Peel, he once said it this way, Christmas waves a magic wand over this world, and behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. But what is it to you? Is it a time for paying bills without enough money? A time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer? 
a time where presents, they have your name on them under the tree and you're excited oh, for that? Is it a time of spending time with family, a time of having fun, being with family, not having to go to school or not having to go to work? For many people, Christmas costs them too much. Too much time in shopping and decorating. Too much stress in getting everything done that needs to get done. But don't feel bad, friends. Christmas was a hassle for Mary and Joseph as well. The hassles began with Mary's pregnancy. Joseph and Mary, remember, they were betrothed, but they were not officially married. Joseph, he was ready to call the whole thing off until, until an angel appeared to him and explained the entire situation. Do you think Joseph, do you think he would have liked for that same angel to go and explain the situation to his mom and to his dad? Maybe to the in-laws? Maybe to the rest of the family? Do you think it would have been good for him to do that? Yeah, I think he would have liked that to happen. Imagine the hassle that Mary endured. She was an unwed mother. The hassle of a wedding, the whispers, the gossip, all the guessing going on. Why? Why would Joseph do such a thing? Who would have thought such a thing of a nice girl like Mary? But these hassles, these were just the beginning. Remember, the emperor, he had ordered that every male Israelite had to return to their birthplace to pay a new tax. A bill that Joseph hadn't planned on paying, a trip he hadn't planned on taking. Mary, she was about ready to give birth. Now they have all these extra expenses that came up and they had to take a trip that they didn't need to take. How many of you have ever felt that way at Christmas time? Where is all the money going to come from for everything we need to do, everything we need to buy? Do the hassles of Christmas bills, do the hassles of Christmas trips, does does that sound familiar to any of you? In our story, Joseph, he scrounges up enough money and they set out to Bethlehem where they meet another hassle. There's no room at the inn. They have no place to stay. With a wife that's about to give birth, Joseph, he decides, well, we're just going to settle on whatever accommodations we can find. So they settle on the stable because it was available. It was a dirty stable. They were surrounded by stinky animals. It was without a doctor, without a nurse, without an epidural, without even a midwife there present with her. Mary gives birth and everything is okay, but not for long. What was it the angel said in verse 13? He said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now I can hear Joseph here if he was like most of us. Oh, great. That's just great. First, now, my wife, she has to give birth to this child in a stinky, smelly stable. And now, now you're telling me that this guy, we got to pack up and go because this guy wants to come and kill our child? Am I hearing you right, Lord? Let me ask, how would you have responded to that? If you're like most of us, okay, Lord, enough is enough now. Why don't you just zap Herod? Just zap him right now with some kind of aneurysm or some kind of heart attack or something like that. Then this will all be over, right? We won't have to go through this. Haven't we been through enough already? But what did Joseph do? He simply packed up the family, right? Packed them up and he strikes out to Egypt where he gets a job. He sets up housekeeping there for a while. Over and over again, we see Mary and Joseph, they had to endure hassle after hassle all for the sake of the baby. But notice something else. For every hassle they endured, God didn't leave Mary and Joseph hanging out there saying, okay, what are we going to do? How's this all going to work out? No. For every hassle, God provides help. He sent angels to explain what he was doing. He provides funds to get them to Bethlehem. He saves them a reservation. Yeah, it's in a stable, but he saved them a reservation. He sends the wise men with their gifts to finance their rescue of Jesus from King Herod. Over and over again, the Christmas story reminds us that God always provides. He always provides the help to deal with the hassles that we have in our life. And church, let me tell you, he does the same thing for you and for me today. No matter what your hassle is, God offers you his help. He's not Santa Claus, understand that, but he will give you what you need if, if you ask him for what you need. 
He won't always save you from the pothole in the road, but he'll give you the grace to keep on going after you hit that speed bump. He won't knock off everybody that threatens you in your life, though there may be times we wish that he would, right? But he will protect you. He will guide you through those situations. When you're Christmas, when it is full of hassles, remember, God is full of help. Look at Psalm 46.1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present. The literal meaning here is this, an abundant available. So he is a very present help in trouble. He's an abundantly available help during our troubles. Are you struggling with some Christmas hassles? Why not turn to God? Turn to him and let him help you this Christmas season. But Christmas cannot only be full of hassles. We see under number two that Christmas can also be full of hurt. Look at verses 16 through 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because there are no more. Pain doesn't take a holiday, does it? Have you ever walked into a cemetery and you're walking along and you notice a headstone that on the right side of that dash it says December 24th? Have you ever looked in the newspaper? Have you ever looked at the obituaries and looked for those names of people who died on December 24th or right before Christmas? Have you ever wondered what those loved ones feel like on Christmas Day? Christmas, it can be a very painful time for so many people. Sometimes it's grief of missing a loved one who's passed on. Sometimes it's living in a sick or a handicapped body. Maybe you're a single person or a divorcee who's dreads just spending another Christmas alone, wondering, God, why? Why haven't you given me some? Somebody else. Families of military men and women, they're missing the loved ones. They miss them even more at Christmas time than any other time. Christmas, yes, it can be full of hassle, but for many people, it can also be full of hurt. So we want to cry out, right? We want to say, Lord, Lord, why do you allow such pain during this Christmas? But the truth is, right? Christmas has been full of hurt ever since Jesus was born. The particular pain in our story this morning comes after Mary and Joseph, after they leave Bethlehem for Egypt. Herod, he tried to fool the wise man into showing him where the king of the Jews, where he would be born, so that he could eliminate any competitors to his throne. When he figures out, well, the wise man, they tricked him. He goes into one of his characteristic rages, and then he gives an order. He sends his troops out. He wants them to ride into this little town of Bethlehem on a special mission. So the soldiers, they take off, and they get into the town of Bethlehem. They see fear on the faces of these people as they ride in. Nobody knows why they are there. Perhaps they start rounding up all of the families with small children. They start getting them all together. And then from that group, they start sorting out those that have small sons in them. And finally, they start calling out the families of small sons that are two years old and younger. Then they start carrying out their orders. Mom, can you feel the horror in that moment? That moment when you realize what they've come to do. Now, I'm going to say, if those moms and dads are anything like Stephanie and I were, and probably most of you, I imagine those soldiers had to kill some moms and dads just to get to those children. And I wonder, I wonder how many of those moms and dads called out to God for help to save their sons. But in the end, it doesn't make any difference. The innocent children, they were slaughtered like lambs. The horrified parents, they were left standing there clinging to lifeless corpses, screaming in grief as the soldiers simply rode away. Nobody ever tells them why, why their little boys were murdered. But we know why. We know because Jesus, he got away. 
Lord, why didn't you send angels down to those families to warn them? Lord, why didn't you strike down Herod before he could do such a horrible thing? Lord, why do you allow such pain and suffering and death at the birth of your son? Have you ever asked yourself or wondered those questions? I bet those devastated families back on that very first Christmas did. I know many of us today, we read these stories and we sit here, we wonder why. Why would God allow such pain and suffering? Why would he allow such devastation and death, especially at Christmas? Lord, why did you take my husband? Why did you take my wife, my child, my mom, my dad? Why did you take them away? Father, why do I have to suffer through another Christmas all alone? Oh God, why did you leave me hurting and helpless? Why are you leaving me in this sick body? Lord, why do I have to hurt so much at Christmas? Friends, I've got to tell you, I don't have the answers for all of that. And even if I did, I'm not even sure those answers would heal your hurts. All I really know is this. God makes us a promise to all of us who are in pain. What does he promise? He promises his presence. Psalm 34, verses 18 and 19. He says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Where are you, Lord? Where are you when I'm hurting? He says to you, I'm right here. I'm right with you, my precious child. Lord, why do you allow me to hurt so bad? My beloved child, I told you, you can't understand, child, but trust me. Trust me when I say you'll never suffer alone. When I don't stop the pain, I will always be there to hold on to you, child. I will always be there to comfort you, always be there to help you, to keep you going until the day I do take away that pain. The year was 1993. Pro golfer Paul Lazinger was diagnosed with cancer which later it went into remission. There was an article in May 1993 issue of the New York Times that said this. He said, through it all, Paul Lazinger never said, why me? Not when he found out for certain that the searing pain in his right shoulder was cancer. Not when he was so sick from chemotherapy that he couldn't stand up. Not when he woke up and found tufts of his hair on his pillow. Not even in the dark moments when he wondered whether he would be alive for the 1994 PGA Championship, much less defend his title in it. When something like this happens, you can scream, Why me? Why me? Why me, God, said Azinger. You can run away, or you can do an about face, and you can run to God. That's what I did. He had a plan. Friends, understand, God almost never answers why questions. More likely than not, he'll not take away the grief. He'll not take away the pain. So what can you do? You can do what Paul Lazinger did. You can run to God, and you can cling to him like a hurt child clings to his father. If Christmas is bringing you hurt, why not run to the Father? Why not cling to Him? Why not let Him comfort you? Christmas, it cannot promise no hassles. It cannot promise no hurting. So what does Christmas offer? What does it offer to the hassled and the hurting people? It's this. Christmas can, under number three, bring you hope. Let's look at verses 19 through 23 in our text. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard of that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went, and he lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Someone once said, 
We can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. I've got to tell you, the longer I live, the more I realize how untrue that statement is. There are plenty of people who can live a lot, lot longer, days, months, even years without hope. People can live decades, decades bearing the burdens, the heavy burdens of shame and guilt for wrong choices with no hope of forgiveness, with no hope of peace. People can spend all of their lives looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose, looking for direction. People can live and die with absolutely no hope that they will live again, that they'll have anything else after they take that last breath here on earth. Do people really live without hope? Yes, you bet they do. Millions, millions of people do, but nobody has to live without hope. The boy who lived, born in Bethlehem, snatched from the jaws of Herod, he offers you hope. Hope beyond your wildest dreams because he lives. You and I, we can have hope today. Verse 19, look at it. It tells us, but when Herod died. What that tells us here is the baby Jesus, he outlived that wicked king, the one who tried to kill him. History tells us that Herod's kingdom was divided up among his heirs when he died. An angel had announced to Joseph it was safe now to go back to Israel. And once again, the little family, they pack up and they head back on the road. But Joseph, he was a little uneasy about returning to Bethlehem and under the reign of Herod's son, Archelaus. His fears were confirmed by Jewish philosopher Josephus. This is what he said. He said, Archelaus was as bloodthirsty as his father. He began his reign by slaughtering 3,000 leading men of Israel. So after praying, Joseph, he takes his family and he goes off to Nazareth where Jesus spends the rest of his growing up years waiting for that day that he will fulfill his mission. This mission is why Herod couldn't kill him. This mission is the reason why Jesus could not die, would not die as a baby. The Bible explains it this way in John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, you see, Jesus didn't die in Bethlehem as a baby because his hour had not yet come. That wouldn't come until many years later, many years down the road, when Jesus, when he would willingly, when he would purposefully lay down his life on the cross to offer us hope. That baby in a manger, he grew up to be that man on the cross. And it's that cross, the cross that brings us the hope to the hassle, that brings hope to the hurting people. People who need the hope of knowing that God, he cares about you. He cares about the need to help you. God can give you hope to start all over again. God can give you hope to erase your past and give you a hope of eternal life. That's why you and I, that's why we can celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the hope that God gives us, that he gives us through his son. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and hope for all of eternity. God doesn't offer us a hassle-free or hurt-free life, but he does offer us a hope-filled life. And he does that through our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. That night when the shepherds, when they heard that song of angelic hosts caroling nearby, a deaf man turns in slumber spell and dreamed that he could hear. That night when in that cattle stall slept a mother and a child in humble fold, a cripple turned and twisted his limbs and dreamed that he was whole. That night when o'er the newborn babe a tender mother rose to lean, a loathsome leper smiled in sleep and dreamed that he was clean. That night when to that mother's breast the little king held secure, a harlot slept a happy sleep and dreamed that she was pure. That night, when in a langer made the Holy One who came to save, a man turned to the sleep of death and dreamed there was no grave. 
In a poem by Christian Rossetti called, What Shall Be Our Gift to Him? It says this, What shall I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I'd give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. What shall I give him? I know, I'll give him my heart. What hopes lie sleeping in your heart this morning? Jesus Christ, the baby born in Bethlehem, the boy who lived, the man who died, he offers you hope this morning. In spite of all the hassles you're going through, in spite of all the hurt, the hardest hurt that you have in him, Christmas offers us hope. All the hope that we could ever imagine. All that we could ever hope for. Jesus is alive in an impoverished baby. He was born in a barn. That's what Christmas means. It means to find a place where you would least expect to find everything that you could ever want. It was in that baby, in that manger. Let me just close with this this morning. Jesus, he invites you to come to him. He invites you to hope again in your life. Hope in spite of all the hassles you're going through. Hope beyond all the hurt that you might be experiencing. Hope you can find right now by bowing at his feet, by believing in his word, and by accepting his love for you. Won't you come to him today and find your hope in him? Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryville First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast and have a blessed day.